Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm having fun this morning already. Woohoo! So just, just to put into perspective what um, the Lord did for Doreen this morning, <laughs> I was watching her before the service started. Now, in the military... When you, it's called, uh, there's two types of, there's actually three types of marching. You can be jogging and marching in step. You can be marching normally, or there's uh, slow marching. So when, when you're slow marching, the top of your body does not move. You don't swing your arms when you're slow marching in the military. When you're in, in rank and file, you, you just move your feet like this, and very slow, and the top of your body does not move. As I watched Doreen this morning doing the stuff that she was doing, getting the communion ready, she was walking just like that. The top of her body was not moving, and she was just moving her legs, and she was going about this fast. <laughs> so God has done a great miracle in her body. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> and not laying across the chairs in the back. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. We serve a great God. We serve a great, great God. Hmm. So we're going to be talking this morning about where we are building. Where we are building. Pastor Gwen has, talk, has been talking a lot about um, stuff that the Lord has been showing her about building, about building in Him, about going forward and building and and. Um, building stuff in him and not in this world. And so as I've been praying about what the Lord wants me to bring this morning, he gave me this title a couple of weeks ago, Where Are We Building? Where Are We Building? So we're going to talk about that this morning. Lord, I just thank you that you have a word for us this morning, Lord. That it is your word, that it is not my words, Lord, but it is you speaking through me, Lord. That you would use me as a microphone, Lord, that the words that come out of my mouth are from you and no other place. Lord, that what you want to get across, the, the revelation that you want to get across to each and every one of us, Lord, is front and center. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your word. It is life. It is life, Lord. I praise you and thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Turn to Matthew 7. Turn to Matthew 7. And we're going to be looking at verses 24 through to 27. Praise the Lord. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, we should be listening to God. Amen? We should be listening to God. <laughs> Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, it's one thing to hear them, it's another thing to actually do. Amen? Therefore, whosoever heareth the sayings, these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like unto a foolish man who buildeth his health upon the sand. Let me talk about sand for a minute. Again, back when I was in cadets, we used to have these sports weekends where um, a bunch of different sea uh, cadet corps would go up to our summer camp in Comox called HMCS Quadra, and we would compete all weekend long and do all these different sports competitions and stuff like that. One of them 
is we had to go on a run. Now, back in that day, I ran. <laughs> I don't anymore, although I do enjoy running, um, but I don't anymore. So I was part of the running team for our core. But the route, the HMCS Quadra was out on a spit. So it's basically like a piece of land that's completely surrounded by water, and it had a beach all the way around it. So part of, pardon me? Yeah, like Blackie Split, Spit. Um, part of the route that we had to run was actually on the beach. Yes. So when you're running on sand, it is not a firm foundation. So each, each stride that you take when you're running is like taking two or three strides at the same time. Because like here, if I were to run around here, I've got a firm footing and I can run around and I, can, I, I know what's going to happen because I have a firm footing. I feel comfortable that I can run around and not slip and fall. But on the sand, every time you plant your foot down and you put pressure on it to move yourself forward, the sand moves underneath you. So your foot isn't staying in the same spot. It's actually moving backwards as you're trying to go forward. You seeing what I'm saying? Even when you stand still in sand, you sink. Especially if you're right up against the, the shoreline where the, the waves are coming up and going away and coming up and going away. When it's a bit, a bit wet like that, you stand there for a little bit and you watch the waves and you're enjoying the waves and all of a sudden you, feel, you realize that your feet are underneath the sand. They're going into the sand. When you hear those waves come up and the shh as they go away, that's not the ocean. That's the water pulling the sand and it's making a noise as, as, as the wave um, recedes away from the shoreline. When you bring an element, something not natural, or mm, when you bring an element to sand, it will always move. It'll always do something. I've been down in Palm Springs, and in Palm Springs, it's a desert. There's lots of sand, <laughs> a lot of sand, unless you're at a golf course and there's lots of green. <laughs> Otherwise, it's lots of sand. And sometimes they have these windstorms that turned into, turn into sandstorms. So it's, if it's nice and calm, which it, most of the time it is, it's beautiful, sunny, calm there, no problem. You, you walk around and it's fine. But as soon as the wind picks up, it picks up the sand. And it's worse than a snowstorm up here. I was, I've, Heather and the girls have been in a couple of them. I've been in one. I never, ever want to experience that again. Because you literally cannot see the end of your car while you're sitting in it as you're driving along. That element, that wind, that, that element brought to the sand moves it. It is easily moved. You hear me? Okay. Amen. 27, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Great was the fall of it. It isn't just a small fall. It's a big fall. It's a throw yourself off the bandwagon fall. <laughs> Flying leap <laughs> fall. You get in the picture? <laughs> Amen. Okay, let's turn over to, now keep your place in Matthew 7. And now we're going over to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through to 19. Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 13 through to 19. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said to him, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto him, But who say ye that I am? 
And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. That is awesome. Now, the interesting thing here is the word for rock in verse 18, where it says, and upon this rock is the same Greek word that they use in Matthew 17, 24 to, 7, 24 to 27, when it's talking about the rock that they're building the house on. The same word, Petra. Not Petras, Petra. Petra. Okay, we're going to get into that in a bit. I want to read these scriptures in the Weist uh, translation. It's so good. So we're going back to Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who is of such a character as to be habitually hearing these words of mine and he habitually doing them shall be likened to an intelligent man who is of such a nature that he built his house upon the rocky cliff. So when you look at the word rock here, Petra, it's defined as a mass of rock, a huge rock, literally or figuratively a rock. So he defines it here as a rocky cliff, a very strong rocky cliff. They've built it, the house on a rocky cliff, okay? That's important. And the violent rainstorm came down, and the torrents came, and the winds blew and rushed upon and beat against that house, and it did not fall. For it had been built upon the rocky cliff as its foundation and was firmly established upon it. And everyone who is hearing these words of mine and is not habitually doing them shall be likened unto an imprudent man without forethought or wisdom who was of such a character that he built his house upon the sandy ground. That sandy ground, just like I described, that is always moving. Whenever you introduce an, a foreign element into sand, it's going to move. And the violent rainstorm came down, and the torrents came, and the winds blew and rushed upon and beat against that house, and it fell, and its downfall was great. Okay, let's move over to Matthew 16, 13 to 19. Now, Jesus, having come into the districts adjacent to Caesarea Philippi, was asking his disciples, saying, who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some indeed, John the Baptizer, but others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he says to them, but as for you, who do you say that I am? And answering, Simon Peter said, as for you, you are the Christ, the Son of God, the living God. And answering, Jesus said unto him, Spiritually prosperous are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. But my Father who is in heaven. Peter at this point was not born again. He, he was not living in the new covenant because the new covenant had not happened. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. So the Holy Spirit basically just like came down upon him. 
and he started to basically speak the word of God at that point. And it was something, it was sudden, and it was abrupt, and it was really um, made him alive in that moment, for that moment, because he wasn't born again. I've had a similar experience, not as fun as this one. A very, very, very long time ago, I was camping with some friends of mine, and um, I think that at one point I had, I don't know, I had splashed some water on, on one of the people that we were camping with. And so we went to bed that night. I was maybe 19, 20, something like that, maybe even a bit younger than that. We went to bed one night, and the next morning, I wake up with a sudden, a sudden shock to my system. This person to get back at me, you know those bags of ice that they, yet you buy from the grocery store on your way camping so that you have stuff to put in your freezer when you have all your food in it? They had taken one of those bags of ice, slit the entire top of it, made sure that it was all broken up because it was the cubes, and I sleep very soundly, especially back then. I still sleep very soundly. So they unzipped my, my, my not my suitcase, um, my sleeping bag, <laughs> opened up my sleeping bag and, and proceeded to dump the entire bag of ice on me. Yeah. Pardon me? No. I abruptly, just like Peter, was aware of what was going on. Abruptly aware. Just like Peter was abruptly aware of what God the Father was saying to him, I was abruptly aware of what was going on. And I could not move anywhere to get away from it because it was all over me. It was in my sleeping bag. Just like the Holy Spirit was all over him and in his sleeping bag right there. <laughs> a much better situation. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> and now continue on. Moreover, as for myself, I also am saying to you, you are rock. This is Petros. So he's talking to Peter. You are rock. Petros. It's masculine and gender, a detached but large fragment of rock. So think of the rock, the, the white rock down in White Rock on the beach. That's kind of what it's talking about. It's a fragment of rock, but it's smaller than like a mountain, but it's still big. Okay, so he is that rock. And upon this massive rock, Here, Jesus is referring to himself. He is the rock of our salvation. He is referring to himself, this massive rock. It's Petra, a feminine and gender, feminine de demonstrative pronoun, and it cannot go back to the masculine Petros. It can't go back to a piece of rock, even though it's a big piece of rock. This rock, this massive rock, cannot be diminished in any way, shape, or form. Are you hearing me? Remember, we're talking about where are we building. I'm building a case here. I'm building a picture for all of you. A rocky peak, a massive rock. Notice it says rocky peak. Rocky peak. That sounds a whole lot similar to Matthew 7, where it talks about that rock as a cliff. There's usually a peak around the cliff. It's talking about the same thing. It's using the same terminology here to describe both situations that we're reading here. That strong, rocky peak that cannot be deteriorated, that cannot be brought down. You see, Jesus is our chief cornerstone. I've talked about this before. Jesus is our chief cornerstone. That is the anchoring piece of a building. And it's so important to God that we get this, 
that he talks about it throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. In Isaiah 28, 16, you don't have to go there, but write this down. In Isaiah 28, 16, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. That shall not make haste basically means shall patiently wait for him. So Isaiah is prophesying here about Jesus, our rock, that chief cornerstone, where we want to build. Where we want to build, that chief cornerstone, that sure foundation. But we should wait patiently for him. At this point, he wasn't around yet. He was still up in heaven. In Psalm 118.22, write that down. We don't have to go there. Psalm 118, verses 22 the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. So Jesus was rejected by the magistrate of that time, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those who were the, the people that supposedly had the knowledge of the word of God at that time. They were rejected by him. Yet he was still that chief cornerstone and nobody, no action towards him could take that away from him. Because he was that chief cornerstone, that, that corner piece that was the foundation for the new covenant upon which we stand. Uh, Matthew 21, 42. Matthew 21, 42 says, Jesus saith, saith unto him, them did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected the same is become the head of the corner this is the lord's doing and it is a, and it is marvelous in your eyes so jesus here jesus here is saying using those old scriptures those prophecies about him to describe himself so he knew who he was do you know who you are? Mm-hmm. Make sure you know who you are in Jesus. That's important. Because if you don't know who you are in Jesus, you're in that sand that you can never get a sure footing on. But when you get to know who you are in Jesus, and there's scriptures in there that define who we are in Jesus, then you can stand on that rock. You can stand with him as that chief cornerstone right beside him and become a building block in the new covenant. Who, hallelujah. Hmm. Write this one down as well. Psalm 40. Verse 2. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He set my feet upon a rock. He set my feet on that firm foundation. He set my feet right beside Jesus, that chief cornerstone. So important. So important. That is where we want to be building, on that firm foundation. That, that massive peak, that massive mountain. Okay, back to Matthew 16. So we've defined that massive rock, and it says, I will build my church. Jesus is saying, I will build my church on that massive rock. And the counsels of the unseen world shall not overpower it. I want to stop here. The counsels of the unseen. That's talking about Satan. Now, Satan is already defeated. He is a defeated foe. We already have the victory because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we live in victory because of that. 
Satan is already defeated. I believe it was Pastor Jason brought up a couple of weeks ago. Um, in Ephesians 6.11, it talks about the wiles of the devil. Wiles there means trickery. So Satan himself is already defeated. He knows that. He's been through the trial. Jesus was exonerated and raised up into heaven and sitting at the right hand of God. And Satan knows his, his sentence is coming. But he still tries the wiles, the trickery to get in to our minds. He tries to plant those seeds of doubt and, and, and things like that that try to get into us to create a, to cause us to take a step off that rock onto the sand. So he's already defeated, but he's still trying to get us off course, to get us off that rock, to get off, the, us, off that foundation, so that then we're building on the sand as opposed to the rock. You with me, everyone? Mm-hmm. Those wiles are another element that moves that sand from underneath us. Those thoughts that he tries to bring into us, into our heads. We have a choice at that point. We don't have to, we don't have to take those, those thoughts into us. He can try. He can try. Doreen just said it. We take those thoughts captive. And we, pa- we say, no way, devil. This is something that the Lord's kind of been showing me a whole lot lately. The devil is a liar. He can't help but lie. Right? Everybody in agreement with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if he's trying to put something into your mind, it's a lie. So the exact opposite is true. The exact opposite is true. If he's telling you, you know what, you're never going to get rid of these side effects from that medication. The exact opposite is true. No, I'm healed by, the, by the, um, the Lord Jesus Christ and his stripes. I'm healed. You know, I'm never going to feel good again. I'm going to be battling with this depression all my life. No, that's a lie of the devil. I am whole and healthy from the stem to the stern. From the head to the toe. <laughs> From my head to my toe, I am healed and whole. So you hear those lies? You just repeat back the exact opposite because that is the truth of the word of God. That is the truth. That is the rock upon which we stand. That is where we are building. Next thing it says here. And I shall give you to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I shall give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So I was thinking and praying last night. Well, what are the keys to the kingdom of heaven? It's kind of like a safety deposit box. You need two keys to get into a safety deposit box. The one that you have and then the one, the master one that the bank has. Right? Well, there's kind of These keys to the kingdom, there's two of them that I see. At least the Lord showed me. I'm sure there's possibly more, but he showed me two last night. The first key was Jesus. Death, his death as the perfect lamb of God on that cross was the first key. And then his resurrection Still part of that first key. That's like the master key. Right? That's the master key to us being able to step on and stay on that rock. To build our foundation on the proper foundation on that rock. Him dying on that cross as the perfect lamb of God. And then rising up and defeating Satan like we were just talking. The liar. Amen? Mm. The second key is the Holy Spirit. The moment we give our lives, this is our key that we have to put in and turn. That second key is the Holy Spirit. So the moment we decide, 
put the key in, turn it, give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And then we can even take it a step further and invite the baptism of the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can walk in the fullness of what Jesus has for us. These are the keys to the kingdom. When you have these things, you have the keys, you have the power, you have the authority, you have the firm foundation upon which you stand. Jesus is that final signature on the new covenant. When you enter into contracts nowadays, you have to sign a whole ton of stuff. You have to sign every page of the contract that you read it and you agree with it. And then you have to sign at the end. Jesus is that final signature for the new covenant, that final key. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Okay, let's turn to uh, Ephesians 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he wants to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to unlock an understanding of him. To reveal himself to us. Right? In John, if you look at John 1, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, write that down so you can look at it later. I want you to look at it later. It says basically that the word revealed is Jesus. It says the word came down and the word was with us and he dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. Some people say, I've heard it been said quite a bit lately that when you if you in a situation you don't know exactly what scripture to say or what to pray you just start speaking the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I'm healed in the name of Jesus because the entire word of God that we listen to and read and walk our lives according to is encompassed in the name of Jesus that firm foundation that chief cornerstone that rock upon which we stand So, if Jesus is our rock that we're supposed to be standing on, and Jesus is the word of God, the word of God is our rock. It is that chief cornerstone. It is that truing it has that truing ability. When you look at, at what a chief cornerstone is supposed to do, it, it trues things up. It makes things level and even and solid and concrete so that you can build upon it. So it, doesn't, it isn't just a big, huge piece of rock that, that anchors everything, but it does more than, it makes it even and level. The word of God is that rock in our lives. The word of God is that rock in our lives. If we're not reading the word of God, how can we get wisdom and revelation? Right? You have to start somewhere. Before my life changed around in 2013, the summer before that in 2012, I knew there was something really wrong in my life. I knew that there was something really wrong in my life. And the only thing that I need, knew to do were two things. One, pray, and two, read the word of God. And it felt, at that point, all honesty, it felt real dry. It felt like there was nothing there. But I, just, I, I knew that that's what I needed to do. And so I just kept reading the word of God. Every night before I went to bed, I just kept reading the word of God. wasn't really 
getting any wisdom or revelation from it, but I kept reading the Word of God, and I just kept reading the Word of God, and I kept reading the Word of God, and then I kept reading the Word of God, and then I kept on reading the Word of God. And then one day, Bethany has a dream. And she has a dream of, and it, it was me getting on an airplane going to, oh, by the way, Bethany is my daughter. <laughs> she has a dream of me getting on a plane going somewhere, like to a conference or something like that. And so she goes and tells Heather, my wife, and they come to me. And they tell me about this. And I'm like, well, at that point, I was feeling really frustrated. I still, still reading the word of God, but I still wasn't really getting anything. And so I'm like, okay, well, if we can find something, sure. So they found this conference. That was quite literally my, my attitude at that point. I hate to admit, but it was. So there you go. Um, yeah, it is because of what happened next. Um, so they went, they found this, this uh, um, conference down in a place called Corinth, Texas, of all places. And so we found flights and stuff, and it was right in between Christmas of New Year's of and New Year's of 2012. And the short story is, basically, I went down to that conference, and... My life completely changed in three days because I was faithful to go back to the Word. Amen. I was faithful to pray. I was faithful to wait upon Him. I didn't, I wasn't, just like we were talking about with the healing this morning. You may not be seeing it, but you stand faithful because the Word of God says that you're healed. I stood faithful because I knew I was free through that Word of God. I didn't know how. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I had no idea, but I knew that I needed there to be there. So I pursued it. I pursued to try and get myself onto that rock. When, when, um, when construction companies are building like huge, huge uh, um, projects like bridges and things like that that are going over water. You'll see them pounding pilings for days upon days upon days upon days. The reason that they're doing that so long is because they need to get those pilings down through the sand that's in the water body below the bridge until it hits solid rock. Not a Petrus, not a piece of rock, even though it may be big. They need to hit the Petra, the rock. And when they hit the Petra, the rock, that massive rock, they can stop because they have a firm foundation. That's what I was doing in those months. I was digging down in that sand to find that the sand that I had brought up and was standing on and kind of piling myself on, I was... I was digging down to find that rock that was below there. I'd been a Christian for a long time. What, close to 20 years. But I had just gotten so lost in religion and junk and frustration and anger that I'd been piling all the sand on, on that firm foundation so that all I was walking on was sand. So I had to start taking that, that, that pylon to go and dig down and push down until I found that rock and get that sand out from underneath me. So I had a firm foundation and a starting place, even though it may be three feet in diameter, I'm standing on a, on a solid ground. I go back to the Word. Because if you come into a situation that you're not, ex you're not expecting and you don't know the word, how can you stand on it? How can you have revelation about it? Again, another cadet story. Um, one of my friends in cadets was an engineer. Uh, not like a, a mechanical engineer, but um, he dealt with all the engines on the, on the ships um, that we got to go out as, um, on as cadets. And so... I can't remember if I was actually on this, this cruise, on this um, sailing with him or not, but it, he was in among some islands, and the engines cut out 
on the ship. Now, we're not talking like a 20-foot boat here. We're talking like an 80-foot uh, military vessel that, um, that's much larger. And when your engine's cut out, it gets picked up by the currents that are underneath you, and it starts to move it. And they're going onto the rocks. He can see like, you know, 40, 50 feet in front of them. There's the rocks. His engines aren't going. But because he knew what he, he already knew about those engines, he had revelation and understanding about those engines. He was able to get in there, into the engine room, figure out what was going on, and get, excuse me, get the engines up and running again so they didn't end up on the rocks. We need to have the word of God in us not when we're facing this thing and you're, you're frantically looking for the scriptures that can help you at that, that exact moment. You need to have those scriptures in you all the time. All the time. We need to be reading the word of God. Because it is our rock. It is that firm foundation. We have a choice between sickness and divine health. <laughs> Doreen said, I like divine health. Yes, I agree. We have a choice between sickness and divine health. One is the sand. One is that firm foundation. When I was first diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2006, I didn't have a comprehension of the word of God and what it talked about for healing. So I started to build sand on my firm foundation, start digging it up and bringing it onto my firm foundation by taking identity in the multiple sclerosis, starting to read all about it and, and read blogs about people that have dealing with it, all constantly digging up sand around me and putting it onto my firm foundation. I started, um, you know, calling... Um, the, there's MS clinics, a couple of them across the lower mainland, and I was assigned to one. And so every time I was having symptoms or having a, a relapse, I would call them and tell them about it. And I started to get all my identity into that, into that because I didn't know any different, because I didn't have the Word of God in me, because I didn't spend the time learning about the Word of God and what it said about healing, that by His stripes I am healed. Then... I start to get the word in 2013. I start to get the word of God in me. I start to get revelation. I start to get understanding in the knowledge of our God and what he's already done for me. And then, slowly but surely, I'm healed of MS. Completely, totally, and absolutely. Has it been six years? On the 26th of this month, it'll be six years since I've been, I was declared healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a reason I run and jump during worship. It's because I can. Because they were telling me that I wasn't going to be able to do stuff like that. I wasn't going to be able to use my hands. I can, so I do. Amen? To glorify God. Because I had that word inside of me. And right now I've been talking a lot about that I'm believing that I'm going to be healed of all these food allergies that I've been dealing with for 20 years or least. I'm believing that they are going to be healed and out of my body. Amen. Amen. Because I know the word of God. It can't have any dominion over my life anymore. And it can't have any dominion over your life anymore. Amen. Amen. So where are we building in sickness or in divine health? Where are we building? Are we building in this world or are we building in heaven? Turn to Matthew 7, 3. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses 3 and 4.
Kevin and Caleb, I need your assistance, please. Could you come up here? Alex, you wanted to stand over there? And Kevin and Caleb, if you can come over here. Verse 3, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? So you're thinking, how does this have to do with living in the world or in heaven? It, there's a story. There's always a story. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, Guys, do you want to just carefully grab the plank that's behind the chairs there? Make sure you don't take anything out. So your guys' job is to make sure that this plank doesn't hit anybody or anything. <laughs> you with me on that? Can you flip it over for me? Oh, no, here it is right here. Here's your moat. <laughs> so in this scripture, a moat is not a piece of water around a castle, okay? A moat is a very, very tiny piece of anything. In this case, it's a splinter. <laughs> okay? So now, again, I'm not very proud of this, but it, it's an excellent illustration. When I didn't have, I was a born-again Christian, but I didn't have the word of God in me, I was afraid because I didn't have a, a proper image of God, the true God, the loving God that we all know. And so any time I would get in an argument, especially with my wife, unfortunately, again, I'm not proud of this. Don't do this, Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Do not do this. So every time I would just go with me and I'll, I'll move it and you guys just make sure it doesn't hit anything, okay? So any time <laughs> I've got this, we're going to go to your left. Rotate so that I'm the center. You go back. You go forward, Caleb. So any time that we're, we're having a discussion and an argument or something like that and I'm feeling frustrated and I'm, um, she's showing me things that I really should need to take to God, and I've got this huge plank in my, my, my eye. All I'm thinking is, because I'm afraid of God and what he's going to do to me, if, if it really is revealed exactly what I am and who I am, really, because even though I'm a born-again Christian at this point, I'm not walking with him. I'm telling Heather, in this case Alex, you know, well, you need to be checking the plank in your eye and, and, and until you get the, the speck out of my eye. When really, all along... There is a plank in my eye that's way bigger than Heather's or Alex's. So this is the worldly mindset. This is even though I was a born again Christian and I didn't I didn't understand the love of God and that he 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 chastens those he loves, he helps those he loves. So I'm walking through life with this plank in my eye and I'm scared of God and so I'm I'm always accusing other people of having a plank in their eye. Right? Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Now, when I started to get the perspective of God in my life and an understanding of his love, it changed my perspective. Because now no longer am I on that sand thinking that I'm going to sink anytime who I truly am without God is revealed. But I now have an understanding that if things are being revealed in my life, God only wants to make me better and bring him closer to me. That's being on the rock. That's being on the rock. So now, when I have the plank, we're going to rotate to the uh, your right now. I'm going to be the center. You guys rotate. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. So now, if I'm talking with Alex, and 
because I have this heavenly perspective, I'm talking with Alex, and he's showing me something. My heart attitude is, oh, you know, I better check that plank in my eye before I bring up anything with him because I want to make sure that I'm right with God. And so I go, I go to God, and I check the plank in my eye, and I'm able to get that plank out of my eye. Just hold it down for a second. I'm able to get that plank out of my eye. And with that perspective, that love in my heart that God, that I now understand of God, instead of going and accusing Alex of the speck in his eye, I'm able to come beside him and help. Help him with the speck in his eye to get it out properly so there's no residual left there. There's no splinters left in his eye to get it completely out. Let that sit in for a bit. When we get that comprehension, that's why I was harping so much on getting into the word of God. When you get that understanding, that spirit of wisdom and revelation unto the knowledge of God, who he is, who he truly is, a loving God that only wants the best for you, then it's no big deal to get the plank out of your own eye. And then help somebody with the speck in their eye to get it completely out, no residual. Well, I have more, but Shalane, you guys can go put that down behind the chairs again. Good job. Thanks so much. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> so we want to make that choice to step onto that rock and make sure that we haven't brought any sand with us. And how do we do that? We go to the Word of God. We go to pursuing a relationship with Him through prayer, through talking with God, through relation, through the Word of God. He is the Word of God. The Word of God is our rock. You will never, ever, ever go wrong going to the Word of God without an agenda. Come to Him. Lord, show me. Show me who you truly are. Show me how you truly want to work in my life. Show me. That's what I was doing in 2012 from the summer. Show me. Four months. And then boom. I'm a completely different person. Well, not really a completely different person. Just the real me was coming out. All the rest of it, it all, all the rest of it was just being having that sand sweeped off my rock that I was trying to stand on. I just want you to take a moment and ask the Lord because he wants to have a conversation with you. Is there anywhere that I've been digging up sand and putting it on my rock that I need to get rid of so that I have that firm foundation wherever I go, whatever I'm doing? Lord, where am I building? Am I building in this world or am I building in heavenly places? Am I building in sick in an identity of sickness or in divine health? Where am I building? Am I building on what other people say about my situation or am I building on what the Word of God says about my situation? Take some time. And then we're going to do communion. And during that communion... It's going to be a decree of our walk in the Word of God on that rock. A rededication if you need to. A beginning point, a, a starting point of getting that sand off of your rock. Because the communion, the, the, the wine and the bread, it symbolizes 
what Jesus did for us. That he could be that rock for us. Because if his blood wasn't shed and his body broken for us, we would have none of this. We wouldn't be having this conversation here this morning. We wouldn't be having church like this this morning. It's all because of that. What he did on that cross that we get to walk and stand on the rock of Jesus, that chief cornerstone, that stabilizing rock in our lives. the Bible says that we take this bread in remembrance of him and his body broken for us. Take it in remembrance of him breaking his body so that we can be in this new covenant. So that we can get the spirit of wisdom and revelation unto the knowledge of him. Because that's why he did it. So let's pursue it. That's why he did it. So that we can be in that relationship with him. So that we can be on that rock. We can be in the word. He shed his blood for the very same reason. So that we can walk with him. So that we can live with him right beside us, just like we're all so close right now. That's how close he wants to be with you all the time. He doesn't just come and go. He's with us always, forever, forever, never leaving, never forsaking, just like what it says in the the song, yesterday, today, the same, always the same. He shed his blood for that so that we can have that relationship, so that we can wipe the sand off of our rock, which is our Lord. Get that out of there. Even though we're walking with Jesus, we're walking in a relationship with him, we can get that sand off of that rock and make sure we have that sure footing. Because even when you have a little bit of sand on a rock, it makes it very slippery. But he did that for us. Let's thank him. Let's celebrate him. Let's take that moment to rededicate that time. Okay? We can take of the elements. desire to reveal yourself to us. You don't want to keep yourself hidden away, Lord, but you desire to reveal yourself to us. Lord, that we would have open eyes to see, open ears to hear what you are saying to us. Thank you, Lord, that you desire to show us where we've got that sand on the rock that you have established for us, Lord. That we would be able to get it completely off so that we can have that firm foundation in every aspect of our lives. Because it is by you that we have everything. 
Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.